Welcome to Right Way Politics with Brian Kerwin. We do politics the right way, the winning way, and we leave the left way behind. And, well, there wasn't a lot of winning, although the House today, in fact, won enough campaigns and won enough seats in Congress to officially take control of the House of Representatives. And this was a... Uh, an expected result, but as some were projecting, and we looked at the polling, and we'll look at the exit polls too, to see if these polls were were right, or were they wrong, or are people just focusing on the wrong things? I have a few ideas on that, but 218 for the majority, and that's what the Republicans have. They will have a slim margin. There are seven races which are still undetermined, and a... Uh, some of them lean Democrats, some of them lean Republicans, so the Republicans will definitely go over 218, likely 220, 221, 222, somewhere around that range. Again, a slim majority uh, to control the House. The Democrats will control the Senate. It's a 50 seat for the Democrats, 49 seats for the Republican, and all eyes on Georgia. They flipped Pennsylvania, the Democrats, the Democrats held Arizona and held Nevada. There's going to be a runoff in Georgia, of course, which is going to, uh, no one got 50%. Uh, Warnock, wa the Democrat, was ahead, 49.4. Uh, Herschel Walker grabbed 48.5%, but still nobody got over 50%, so there will be a runoff. The Libertarian candidate got 2.1%, and could be the margin of victory, but uh, we'll see what happens in that runoff election later on. Nevada, less than a 1% margin. Fetterman won by a healthy 4.5 points or so in Pennsylvania, and the Republican held on in Wisconsin by about a percentage point, and you know, 2.5% lead in North Carolina, Republican hold there. Uh, so basically, uh, Georgia will decide if we have a 50-50 Senate, and of course, with the vice president breaking ties. The de Democrats will have control regardless of what happens in Georgia, at least effectively with the tie-breaking vote route belonging to the Democrats. Here in Virginia was a little different story. There were basically three districts that were in play. We're talking about the uh, second congressional district, which is where I am based. And that was a, a lot closer than people expected. This has been redistricted, and it is a 51-52% win for Jen Kiggins, just over 48% for Elaine Luria, the incumbent. A big disparity in money spent here, um, with uh, Luria one of the better-funded incumbents. Um, but this was a, a traditionally... Uh, swing district and it showed to be a swing district here it uh goes republican when the white house is democrat and it seems to go democrat when the white house is republican but uh the district is broken up into another number of cities and counties Accomack county on the eastern shore went for jen kiggins by a 15 port margin uh, that was in the second district previously has been in the second district for a long while chesapeake is new to the second district and a similar 57 to 42 margin the big big vote getter an 8,000 vote margin in Chesapeake for Jen Kiggins uh, Franklin was a 60% winner for the Democrat Luria 
Isle of Wight, 61%, 11,000 votes to 7,000 votes in Isle of Wight County. That's a new county in the district. Northampton County on the Eastern Shore has all has pretty much always been in the second district, as I can remember. And that was a Luria win, but not by much, about 52 to 47, maybe 53. So five and a half, five points margin for uh, Luria in that traditionally Democratic county. Uh, Southampton County went 67% for Kiggins. Uh, Suffolk went 55, 56% for Luria. But the big surprise and the big enchilada in the district over 160,000 votes cast in Virginia Beach, and the slight nod went to Elaine Luria. Basically, a 400 vote margin, uh, 50% to 49.8%, so two tenths of a percent separated the two in Virginia Beach. One of the definition of a purple city in federal elections, that's a purple city, and this is the city that Glenn Youngkin carried hard last year. And it went 50-50 with the slight nod to Lurio. And let's look into those Virginia Beach numbers to see what made up that slight win, albeit in a losing effort for Lurio. And uh, the absentee, mail-in absentee ballots, a 74% win for Lurio there, a 7,000-vote margin in early voters by mail. Early voters in person a little closer, 54 to 46, an eight-point win for Lurea, a 3,000-vote margin for early voters. But again, the big the big differential was those mail-in ballots where she commanded a huge three-to-one victory. A lot of provisional ballots here, 60% of them going to Lurea. Big edge in same-day registration voters. Uh, 74% of those went for Luria. So if you go by election day totals, Kiggins won this handily, but the early votes, the mail votes, and the newly registered, in Virginia you can register the day of election day and still vote, those uh, those all went pretty strong for Luria and to the tune of mostly in the 70 percentile range. Um, provisionals a little closer early votes when you actually have to run the gauntlet and uh, at least get offered some information about the voters. It was a little close, but for the people who vote by mail, big, big Democrat victory. And it almost pulled Luria over the line. Like we said in uh, the second district, Kiggins won by a fairly healthy uh, 10,000 vote margin. That was a three and a half point Victory, some have said, and I've said previously, this is a plus five Republican seat. And it was a lot closer, a lot of money spent against Kiggins. Some other uh, congressional districts in Virginia that people thought were going to be a lot closer than they actually were. Abigail Spanberger won a four point victory over Vega, the Republican, a 13,000 vote margin there. And people thought that was going to be a win. For the Republicans, a pickup. It was not to be. And Jennifer Wexton handily held her seat by about a seven point margin, uh, 53 to 47, 6%, a little bit above 6%. That was probably the longest reach of the three to pick up. And uh, it's not a blowout by any stretch of the imagination, but it, not, not in the range of a pickup. And uh, no Republican wave. 
as we see here. So I want to get into a little bit of the why. Where did the Republican wave go? Was all this polling wrong? What are we looking at here? Well, well, I do have some exit polls that pretty much lay out where the the election day voters are. Now, again, like we said, the a lot of the Democratic vote and turnout was early. But these are the exit polls that have been published by the major media stories. And they're not too, too um, off the mark from the numbers we've seen all year. How do you feel about the way Joe Biden is handling his job as president? Uh, approval, strongly approve is 18%. Someone approve is 26%. So that's a 44% approval of his job as president. A little higher than we've seen in some polls, but still the disapproval rating of somewhere in the neighborhood of 55 to 56%. Definitely not a help to Democrats running on the ground. Are Biden's policies helping the country or hurting the country? Uh, only 33% thinks his policies are helping. They're mostly Democrats hurting the country. If we're 47%, they're mostly Republican. And a overwhelming majority of those think that Biden's not making a difference one way or the other are Democrats. How the, the direction of the country is going? How do you feel about the way things are going in America? Angry, 33%. A full third of voters are angry at the way things are going. And 20% of those are Democrats, which is pretty funny. The Democrat base is not happy. But the dissatisfied but not angry is a whopping 41%. So if you put the dissatisfied and angry together, you're talking 74% are either dissatisfied or angry about the way things are going in the country again. The dissatisfaction rating, and you'll see this pop up repeatedly in these exit polls, the percentage of people who are dissatisfied with the direction of the country is split between the parties. Half of them are Republicans, half of them are Democrats. Nobody's happy with the way things are going. And you think you kind of have to uh, couch that in a bit when you look at these right, right track, wrong track numbers that a lot of times the people who think that we're going on the wrong track, they think it's not the incumbent's fault that we're on the wrong track. So way to notice we need to get uh, a little bit deeper in some of these poll analysis because just because people don't like the way things are going doesn't mean they blame the incumbents for it. But this is the big issue that I think really decided the elections. Do you think democracy in the U.S. is in trouble? Because the Democrats made a big push for this in the final weeks. Democracy is on the ballot. You heard it a million times in every speech in the closing weeks. Democracy is on the ballot. Well, literally, 68% of people voted think democracy is threatened. They agree. Democracy is is threatened. And the funny thing is, again, there's a split. Half the people who think democracy is threatened in the U.S. are Republicans. Those who think that, the, that democracy is very secure, it's a single-digit percentage, and somewhat secure, about double that. But if you go up and down the line, whether you're secure about democracy or you feel it's threatened, in each of these questions, they're made up of roughly half Republicans and half Democrats. Neither side is happy and neither side is secure. And it's really a balance and it's really kind of a, you get to cut people both ways. And I think this is what they saw in the polling, is that Half the people who are unhappy and think democracy is threatened, only half of them think it's Democrats' fault. 
So that's a shot they can use on both sides. And I don't think the Republicans uh, really hit that issue very hard. The one thing Democrats have been trying to do, and they failed last year in Virginia, but they think they, they scored a few hits this year, is Donald Trump. How much was Donald Trump on the ballot? The national public opinion, his unfavorables are twice as high as his favorables. And of course, 80% of people with a negative opinion of Donald Trump are identified as Democrats. And uh, when you compare him to Trump, the very rarely you find no one who has no one who has a favorable opinion, favorable opinion of Biden and Trump. 40% of the country are favoring Biden. 40% of the country favor Trump. 18% of the American people in these exit polls like neither of them, which is a pretty substantial margin. Uh, most of, uh, the, the, here's the funny thing. The people who don't like Biden and Trump, an overwhelming majority of those are Republicans. So there are many more Republicans who hate both Biden and Trump than there are Democrats who hate Biden and Trump. So the hate's pretty much going in one direction there. And they asked in this exit poll, what was the one reason for your vote for U.S. House today? Was it to support Joe Biden or oppose Joe Biden? And half of people, and this is serious, half the people said Joe Biden was not a factor at all in their vote. You know, roughly 20% supported the president. Roughly a third, 30, 33% voted to oppose Joe Biden. But when the president is not a factor in the vote, when half the voters in a midterm election say that the president has absolutely no impact, plus or minus, on their vote, it's a major messaging failure on behalf of the challenging party. And you asked the same question about Trump. Similar numbers to Biden. Some voted to support Trump, lower numbers than Biden. Some voted to oppose Donald Trump. And that wasn't much different from the numbers to oppose Joe Biden. But 54% say Donald Trump was not a factor. So if you voted in the midterms, an overwhelming number of people said this wasn't about Trump. This wasn't about Biden. This was about the people on the ballot. And I think that's something Republicans need to remember. When you look at the political parties, this is a Republican slate. Who do you trust on foreign policy? Uh, Republicans by majority. Who do you trust on crime? Republicans by majority. Who do you trust on inflation? Republicans are the majority. Who do you trust on immigration? Republicans are the majority. The only thing Democrats win is who do you trust more on abortion? And that's only 53% in favor of the Democrats. So by and large, the people who voted in these elections, they weren't voting on Biden. They weren't voting on Trump. They weren't very confident in the Democratic Party to solve any of their problems. So what is the problem? And it comes back to one theory that I've had, an election after election and election, and it's this. When Republicans attack Democrats, they attack what they do. When Democrats attack Republicans, they attack who they are. Democrats make it about the Republican, and Republicans make it about the Democratic policies. Republicans still run elections like they think they're in a high school debate, and if they score enough points and talk about the issues that people talk about, then that means they're going to get their votes. And that's the theory, and that's what people like to think. But the bottom line is, if you've got a less-than-stellar candidate, 
the Democrats will make that candidate the issue. And Democrats will vote against someone that they hate, regardless of the issues. I've seen it proven over and over and over again. Republicans hate Democrat policies. Democrats hate Republicans. And the candidates always run their campaigns this way. Republicans see what issues are playing that they're strong in and make their campaigns about the issues they care about. Democrats make their campaigns about who's the better person. And if you look at the advertisements against Republicans, it's amazing how personal they are. How many times did I see Elaine Luria make the campaign about Jen Kiggins? And I'm not going to repeat the attacks, but they were all about her personally and the kind of person she is. I didn't see the Kiggins campaign attack Luria, at least in the closing months, personally about anything that she's done. And there was plenty to go after and it wasn't there. So I think Republicans, so I think Republicans are going to have to make their elections a little bit more about Democrats and a little less about policy. Policies are great for websites, but when it comes to the person on the ballot, the policies and the issues aren't on the ballot. When they walk into the ballot box, you see the name of one person and the name of another person, and the Democrats make it about that name. So we see how the Republicans are going to handle their slim majority in capturing the House of Representatives and the fight in a closely divided Senate and a veto pen for the Democrats in the White House and and we'll see what this means for 2024. Uh, President Trump has announced. I'm sure a lot of other people will get in. And we'll talk about the impact of Trump on the upcoming race to the primaries. 2024 starts before we even get to 2023, it seems. And plus 2024, a lot more favorable for Republicans in the Senate. A lot more Democrats defending seats two years from now. So maybe the time to take back the Senate and take back the White House will come our way in 2024 and Congress will have to hold the House. We'll see how they set things up for that and uh, what candidates they recruit for these statewide contests coming up. We hope you find your way back to Right Way Politics. We'll stop here every week and share our thoughts, share some polling and share some analysis of the new Congress coming up in January. Until then, see you next time on Right Way Politics.